This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. There's an awful lot of feel-good to talk about on this Friday. Halloween's on Sunday. Robert and his girlfriend are still trying to figure out what their Halloween costume's going to be. Robert, how many years in a row have you gone as Jesus? Uh, it ended last year. I wasn't Jesus last year, but all the way through college when I had long hair, so probably like 2014 to 2018, 2019. Did people have Halloween parties last year? I think last year was the end of many of those runs. No, but I, at my dad's house, we still had like a chicken stew outdoor thing. Understood. So that's good. Halloween's this weekend. ECU got a win last night. The Carolina Hurricanes rev it up. The Canes beat the Boston Bruins last night. How about the Deeks? We'll talk about them. They're closing in on their first sellout in three years. I've been told in the last couple hours there are approximately 500 tickets remaining for tomorrow's Duke game. So there's a lot of good things. Which is why I hate to start out the weekend by talking about a bad team, but I figured it's best to acknowledge them now so that way we can just rinse out and move only to good vibes a little bit later. Knock this one out of the way, then we can start vibing. I'm, of course, talking about the Carolina Panthers. They will try to snap a four-game losing streak in Atlanta, and I don't see that happening. This team needs a lot of help. And I don't think they're in a place to beat anybody in the league right now. Especially with this game being on the road. We know this. Home field matters in the NFL. Atlanta, they look like a team that's figuring things out. Kyle Pitts, pretty quiet in September. Already had some saying, maybe you shouldn't have drafted a tight end with the fourth overall pick. But in the last two weeks... He's combined to catch 16 balls for 282 yards and a touchdown. Atlanta won both those games. Atlanta really should be on a four-game winning streak going into this game. If it wasn't for them having weird things happen to them down the stretch, which happens with Atlanta pro sports teams in the fourth quarter and losing at home to Washington, four-game winning streak going into this game. So they're playing a lot better with their first-year coach, Arthur Smith, who is a North Carolina guy. I think he played for Torbush. Could be wrong on that one, but he did go to North Carolina to play football. It seems to me in Charlotte, there's a dark cloud hovering hovering over that building, which I guess is fitting for a Halloween game. Four straight losses. Darnold's confidence is shot. You've got coaching drama. No optimism. When you hear Matt Rule speak, and I have every single one of his press conferences the last few weeks, it doesn't sound optimistic. Nothing about it. Joe Brady, very quick answer yesterday, making sure to reiterate him and Matt Rule are on the same page, even though when we watch, it seems pretty obvious that something is amiss offensively. You've got the coaching rumors, which Matt Rule addressed earlier today when I asked him about that. Maybe we can get to that later. Then there are the health concerns. 
Like, if you want to talk about football reasons, I'm going to take Atlanta to win this game. It starts with health. If you look at the injury report that they put out the dang, there are a lot of Carolina Panthers on it. A lot. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Carolina Panthers on the injury report. For Atlanta, it's corner Avery Williams, it's corner AJ Terrell, the former Clemson Tiger. Both practiced yesterday and today, full participation. They're both going to play. Carolina listed Shaq Thompson as questionable. Phil Snow said yesterday, if he does play, it's going to be limited capacity. Same thing for C.J. Henderson at corner. How about Stephon Gilmore? He didn't make his debut last week. Matt Rule said earlier today, he's in the same boat he was last week. It'll be determined tomorrow whether or not he plays. The offensive line, it's been a mess. We know that. Cam Irving, he comes back. I think that's good news. The bad news is, he comes back as another starting offensive lineman goes on IR. John Miller's going to be out for the next three weeks. Christian McCaffrey, he's still out. Terrace Marshall Jr., he's not going to play in this game. Second straight week, he's been out due to a concussion. Daryl Johnson, the former Aggie at NCANT, he's out. Hamstring injury. Matt Paradis was limited the last two days at center. So Carolina just doesn't look like a functional football team. They're not confident. They don't seem to be together. There doesn't seem to be a lot of alignment there. They're banged up. Atlanta's playing better ball. And the game's played on the road in Atlanta. They're not in a place to win football games right now. So give me the Falcons 24, the Carolina Panthers 14. Your thoughts are welcomed on the show. 336-777-1600. What are your thoughts? on the football slate this weekend on Twitter at WSJS Sports. Here's a question I keep getting about the weight game tomorrow. Josh, are you worried about the run defense with Mateo Durant coming to town? Short answer, yeah. Little concern, but I don't think it's going to amount to Duke winning this football game. They're like 17-point underdogs in it. Longer answer, that's probably better for sports radio, I don't see a letdown or a scare happening in Winston-Salem. That's not what I foresee. Wake's run defense, I think the concerns with it are a bit overblown. The last three opponents, they ran all over the Deeks. But they also presented unique, maybe not unique, but unusual challenges you're not used to seeing week in, week out. Louisville. What they do with Malik Cunningham. It's different than anything else you're going to see in the ACC. Mobile quarterback, runs for a lot of touchdowns. Scott Satterfield's offense, it's really good. It was very good, that scheme, dating back to his days in Boone. Syracuse, you're on the road, you're trailing early on. Because you're trailing on the road, they're allowed to run it more. Sean Tucker, there are analytics, there are stats you can dig up that say he's having the best start to a season a running back's had in college football since... Reggie Bush won the Heisman in 2005. I think it's still okay to say Reggie Bush won the Heisman. At least I'm going with it. Then there's Army. You're talking about the triple option. You're not going to run into the option again. So while it's easy to say, Wake gave up 56 points to the option, and that's correct, I wouldn't overreact saying 
that's a massive indictment on the run defense because you're not going to see a team that cut blocks like that. You're not going to see an offense remotely like the triple option the rest of the way. I think it's purely an anomaly. Mateo Durant, he's a good running back. From Plum Branch, South Carolina, population 97, David Cutcliffe found a gem in number 21. But this offense is not special. They were held to under 100 yards, or specifically Durant was, against the Virginia defense two weeks ago. I was at that game. That's about as bad as I've seen things at Duke under Cutcliffe. They lost 48 to nothing to Virginia. Enough for me to think they're the worst team in the ACC currently, and I still believe Wake Forest is the best team. Thus, I don't think it's going to be a scare. I don't think there's going to be a letdown. Another thing on Durant, it's hard to commit to running the ball when you're trying to keep up. I doubt he's going to get to 40 carries like Tucker did. Duke, defensively, has allowed at least 30 points in five of the seven games, including 48 against UVA two weeks ago in that 48 nothing shutout. Wake Forest should have no problem moving the ball. And I anticipate this being a special atmosphere. As I mentioned earlier, less than 500 tickets available. Let's sell this thing out. You're talking about good weather, no rain. Everybody knows what's at stake. And this is a mature team with six six six-year seniors. One or two guys who've been around for a seventh season. That's a team who can handle those expectations, who know how special this is, and knows what it takes to win games. Because they were here a few years ago when they started 5-0, and and then saw everything slip away. So give me Wake Forest to win this game 34-16. to Let's go to John in Winston-Salem, who wants in on Matt Rule. John, do you think Matt Rule's on the hot seat? Um, he will be next year. I can guarantee you that. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, David Pepper will let him finish out the rest of the season. Um, he will see and evaluate what Sam Donald is more likely to let him go. But um, third year on your third quarterback, that seat gonna, that seat going to be about as fiery as some red ants next season. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's a chance he could leave for a college job, though? Um, considering the right amount of money and considering that he still has a college reputation for taking salary programs and turning them around, in about a year and a half to two years, he could still keep up that reputation if he were to take a job at UC at, at uh, USC or LSU. I wouldn't keep it out of the realm of possibility. Well, I appreciate the call. Let me play something for you, though, John. Appreciate you spending the time calling in. Matt Rule, he joined the show, or didn't join the show. He had his press conference earlier today. I had a chance to ask him about these rumors that have circled. You know, let's play the long version here of this. And this is what Matt had to say. This is how the exchange sounded when I brought this up to him. Matt, when uh, Reese Davis and also Joel Klatt have linked your name to college head coaching jobs. And I wanted to give you a chance to respond to those rumors because when you're in college, coaches have told me that that's just part of the process and you have to address it with recruits and you have to address it with your team. In the NFL, is that something when rumors like that swirl, you even think to address with the locker room? No, I, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I, I address everything with our team. You know, I address things in college. I mean, I address... I address the way we practiced, I address if I make a bad decision, I address everything. I, you know, 
life's too short to be walking around with secrets. I mean, you talk and people might not like what you say all the time, but I, I, I talk about everything. So if a, you know, if a player asks me, I don't want everyone to make things about me. If a player asks me, I, I have, I have well, one of the greatest jobs you can have. And I left an unbelievable job at Baylor with a long-term contract and great people and a great place to come here uh, because I wanted to, you know, I'd built two football programs. When I say I, my staff and I had built two uh, great football programs at the college level, and I wanted to try to do it in the NFL. And so went through a tough first year, like I expected. We're in the middle of the second year, and it's been back and forth, and uh, we're not quite where we want to be. But but this is, you know, you don't you don't get to say that you like to build and then get up then 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 get upset that you didn't inherit something, right? Like we're building something. Shaq's building something. Uh, Sam's building something. Uh, Timo's building something. We're building something here right now. So uh, I can't wait to get the job done. So to be clear, have you addressed it with the team this week? No, I said I would be willing to. I'd be willing to address anything. I've I've talked I've talked to everybody anytime they have something with me. But I talk to the guys about you know I mean, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that. You know, I'm, the, the, my, the guys deserve for me to be talking about Atlanta. So for me to be talking about me, like I think every guy here. I hope I hope they know. I hope every guy here knows that like I'm, I'm in it with them for, for the long haul to get this thing done. You know, it really affects me. It really affects me every day when I, I take off the elevator. And I, I see like the two championship trophies, and I realize like 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 these these fans, these people. Um, you know, everybody wants to bring a Super Bowl trophy here, and it's really late, hard late to do, tonight. right? So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I came here. I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to fulfill this this mission that was started, you know, in in, in 1995, 1996. That so many people have been a part of, and and. Um, you know, we haven't done it yet, but we're we're going to continue to grind till we get it. So I'm not I'm never going to be a distraction to our team. That was Matt Rule today when I asked him about the rumors of college head coaching jobs. I think he answered the question the best way he could. Going back to what John said, I don't think there's any circumstance Matt Rule would be fired after this year, regardless of what happens. You got four years, forty three million dollars left on the contract, and you paid this guy to be a builder you don't just fire him after two years or else you're going to have difficulty finding someone to want to take that NFL job somebody that you might want but the college stuff he didn't say he'd never go back it's a long answer for him to say it's highly unlikely it affirmed that belief for me that it's highly unlikely that he'd go back to college after this year he didn't answer the question as firmly as Tomlin did, and it feels like that's the standard you have to measure it up to. But the reason you can't answer it like Tomlin's because he doesn't have the job security that Tomlin does. Tomlin is a future NFL Hall of Fame coach. Tomlin works for an organization that has never fired a coach, or for bosses that have never fired a coach. Three head coaches since 1969. Matt Rule's not in that position. So you might want to keep options open specifically if say your alma mater comes open Penn State that's the one job I could see him leaving for when you're talking about a place that he went to school it's his alma mater that can pay a ton relative to what NFL coaches make it's easier to justify hey I left to go coach at my alma mater I'd be the first one to say that's completely understandable. You had more success in college, and that's a place you know very well that's specifically meaningful to you. 
could Penn State come free? I think it will. I think James Franklin's going to be the next head coach at USC. With the Jimmy Sexton agent hire, the weird answers that he's given, the football team taking a turn for the worse, last year not meeting expectations amid the pandemic, it seems like a good time for him to parachute out of there. What does Penn State do if James Franklin takes a job? If James Franklin takes USC, where do they go? I think it would be having to do due diligence to call an alum who's an NFL coach that might be interested, who just so happened to be a great college coach. If Penn State calls, I don't know what Matt says, but that's the one job I could see him leaving for. He's really, really cocky. Hold on and go with the ride. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Before we keep it simple, Robert, two games I'm fascinated by tonight. The Hornets are on ESPN tonight, facing the Miami Heat. Two really fun teams early on, Charlotte getting a lot of attention. They're 4-1 to start the year. And the Carolina Hurricanes, what a significant win that was last night. They tried to play it down. I was at the game. Boston had won 10 of the last 11 meetings with Carolina, and the Hurricanes just bullied them. Bullied the big bad Bruins three to nothing to start the season six zero and zero. It is the greatest start in franchise history. All that nonsense, the headaches about Tony D'Angelo this offseason. He's not going to fit in. And Freddie Anderson. Oh, I miss Alex Nedeljkovic. Freddie Anderson's been awesome in every single game, and he got his first shutout as a Hurricane. And Tony D'Angelo got his first goal with Carolina too. Now they're playing a team that has a lot of problems. Chicago, really bad team, has a lot of PR issues currently. The Canes have a chance to start 7-0-0 later on tonight. These look like playoff teams. I don't remember the last time both these teams made the playoffs in the same year. And this past year doesn't count since the Hornets technically did not make the playoffs, losing in the play-in tournament. I'm kind of getting long-winded here. So to try and shorten me up a bit, to be as efficient as possible in recapping the week on this Friday, let's keep it simple. Five words or less. It's simple, man. That's all Josh gets to tell you where your favorite teams are at. It's as marvelous and as simple as that. Let's keep it simple. You know what time it is. It is a Friday. It's not time to get my drink on, but it's time to get my dance on. Yeah! Heard that goal horn. Yeah, Marty joined us earlier this week. Heard that goal horn quite a bit. Let's go. Let's go. What do you got for me? Uh, Let's get the bat out of the way first and start with Panthers Falcons. Oof. Ruining my vibe right now. Like, we're feeling good, and you're choosing in the club to walk up to me and say, hey, by the way, about that, uh, you you have a you have a child. I don't know if you know that, but I'm letting you know you've just been served. Uh, that's what you just did here. Ruining my vibe. Here's five words for you. I'll give you more in about ten minutes, but this is five. They can't win right now. 
boom. They can't win right now. Not good. Uh, let's go to Braves Astros. Now we're talking. Now we're cooking with gas. Like me, these are the five words I'll use. Both teams are feeling good. We got weekly positivity in a bit. Both teams are feeling good. You're talking about the Astros bats coming alive in game two. They catch a break that Charlie Morton gets hurt in game one, not going to return the rest of the series with a fractured fibula. And Atlanta accomplished its goal in the first two games. They stole one of the two Houston home games. So you got the next three at home. Feasibly, if you just win all your home games, you've won the World Series if you're Atlanta. The next three are at home. So both teams are feeling good. And I can't wait to see what that crowd looks like tonight in the ATL. All right, let's move on to Wake and Duke. I've got a message to the people for my five words. Let's sell out Truist Field. We are close. Right before the show went on the air, got a text saying that there are approximately 500 tickets remaining. I hope our pushing it here and Dave Clawson saying that his guys deserve it with us earlier in the show is enough for you to say, you know what, I'll go see the 13th ranked team in the country. I'll be a part of history in the past three years not having a sellout at that stadium. And the last time they had a sellout, it's because Clemson was there and there were a bunch of Clemson fans. It felt like a Clemson home game. They won it 63-3. to That's not going to happen with Duke and Wake. There are going to be a bunch of people rooting for the Deeks that want to see the Deeks and they're there to watch the Deeks and the game is sold out as a result. So that's what I have to say about Wake Forest and Duke. We'll talk about the game later. Right now, it's about the fans. It's about sports fans of the triad. Let's sell out Truist Field. Uh, how about that game last night with ECU and USF? I might need the dance music turned up. Let's get turned up here. Let's get turned up here. Is Mike Houston in the club? Is Mike Houston hanging out with it? Yeah! Yeah! Pirates have a new identity. That's what I'm saying, Robert. Can you hear me? Pirates have a new identity. How much do you love that? I mean, I talked about it yesterday on the show. Uh, they haven't been running the ball this well since ever. Maybe a the dozen closest years. thing that you could put this to is like Ventavious Cooper, like my freshman and sophomore year there. I think that was the last time they had a thousand yard rusher. Uh, yeah. And they got two guys who can come in, and not just one guy, but two guys. And and not only say that, but like say the offensive line is the reason that they're doing this. I mean, they're both talented running backs, but the offensive line has given these guys some holes to move through, which is also something that never happened at ECU. Uh, so I'm really digging it. Oh, I thought that was a fun game last night, uh, despite all the hiccups on ECU's side in the first half, the, the fumble by the tight end, some miscues by wide receivers dropping balls, but, I mean, they rebounded nice in the second half. So... I, I think we're both on the same page. They should beat Temple next week. If South Florida is beating Temple by 20, you're at home. home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah, you should win that game. So which of these three do you like the Pirates to potentially steal to get bowl eligible? At Cincinnati? Or home to Cincinnati? At Memphis? Or at Navy? Oof. It's got to be one. 
it's got to be one of those not, games. Or it doesn't, and they just don't go to a bowl game. Uh, that's why I said, ooh. Um, let's just say Cincinnati at home. Oh, dude, if that happens. Oh, my goodness. Now you're getting me turned up. I need the music again. Yeah! ECU's going to beat Cincinnati! Oh! Yeah! All right, don't get too turned. We got All right, more. you got anything else for me? Yeah, you got to do Halloween. Halloween? The movie or the holiday? This, this is Halloween weekend. What do you want to say about Halloween? I've got nothing going on. That's the five. I'm not dressing up. You know, I was planning to go to the Steve Forbes Halloween party that he's been telling us about for like a year and a half, but haven't heard anything from Steve. I'm, I'm assuming it's not happening, or I'm just not invited. So I'm doing. I'm going to assume the latter, but that's. I I, I don't have a costume. I'm not dressing up tomorrow. I'm going to Winston-Salem State facing Duke in basketball and then arriving right before kick for Duke and Wake Forest. But that's that's my Halloween weekend. I'm going to watch some football, maybe eat some candy. Steve Forbes, if you're listening to this and you're not stone cold this year, then you're doing it all wrong. You yeah, lost, what the hell? You look like you lost so much weight. You look stacked up, jacked up. Go ahead and throw that 316 vest on. Get you a nice couple of Steve Wire, Steve Weisers, and when people walk in your party, you'd be slamming them things together and chugging them. I think that would be the best Halloween costume you could pull off, and I'm here for it. Steve Forbes could cut a great promo, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but I mean, that just the visual of him, like I feel like that guy can pound him. Yeah, and, and I think he, he has the facial like hair man. goatee going on. He yeah. could pull that off. Yeah, he could be Steve. Uh, Steve what? Austin. What? Yeah. I'm going to need double digit wins, and that's the bottom line. Steve Forbes said so. <laughs> Hit me with the music. All right. You've said this, and I think it's true. Friday shows are always the best shows. I guess he knows what he's doing. He can't argue with success, right? Right. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. ECU head coach Mike Houston will join us in 15 minutes. His team 29-14 winners against USF last night. And while I'm thinking about Mike Houston, real quickly, let me run down what our best bets were for this weekend. In the NFL, I got the Lions plus 3.5 against the Eagles, the Patriots plus 4 in the hook in L.A. against the Chargers, the Saints getting points as well, home underdog taking them against the Bucks. Then in college, I've got a lot of games in the night stretch. FAU minus a lot of points against UTEP, laying 10.5. Folks are talking about UTEP potentially hosting game day. 
I think that's a classic look-ahead spot for them, and FAU is pretty good. I think Charlotte and Will Healy's group learned that last week. Louisville, I think they pull off the upset at NC State. I really do. I like the cards in that spot. They're getting six and a half in Raleigh. UVA, Bronco Mendenhall revenge game, getting two and a half. ACC after dark? I don't remember the last time an ACC football team was involved in a game starting after 10 o'clock. This game's kicking off at 10-15. If you could think of an example, 336-777-1600. We were 6-2 last week, handing out eight bets. And we're hanging out, handing out eight this week as well. And the one that I left off, you might be doing the math in your head. Josh, you said seven. The last bet I'm handing out is Notre Dame minus three and a half against the Tar Heel. Put some money on it. Thanks, Mike Houston. We'll hear from you in a little over ten minutes. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about this game, mostly because I don't think it's going to be a great game. Boy, has this one lost its luster. They're going to South Bend. They're seeking a spark final month of the season. Got some pretty good teams that they're going up against. Thursday night at Pitt. Wake Forest at home. NC State. You could get it all started and prove that you're still... You might not go to the Coastal. You're not, you might not win the Coastal. You're certainly not a playoff team. But you could still prove you have a heck of a lot of talent and play for pride if you're North Carolina, right? Yeah! Notre Dame, Notre Dame though, is not the team that you get right against. That's the problem here. That's why I'm taking the Irish, and I'm going to lay the small number. The Tar Heels, they are objectively bad on the road. By whatever measure you care to look at, North Carolina is objectively bad when playing away from Keenan Stadium. 0-2 this year. They haven't had a road game since, I think, the 26th of September. So, it's been a while. Or as Stained would say, it's been a while. Outdated reference there. I hope you don't grab that for a drop. I really don't. hope you don't add that to your collection. They only scored 10 points against Virginia Tech. They scored 22 against Georgia Tech. Lost that game by 23. They are 2-5 and five in their last seven games played away from Keenan Stadium. The offense has struggled in pretty much all of those games. So they've been bad. And now you're facing Notre Dame, who conversely is unbelievable when they're at home. They've won 27 of their last 28 played at Notre Dame Stadium. They've also won, see, North Carolina is an unranked team, so I think this qualifies. They've won 34 straight against unranked opponents. And if you were to say, out of these two teams, who's going to play with more urgency? you got to think it's, it's Notre Dame. They can't afford to lose another game, and they still are in the playoff mix. On the outside looking in, but in that mix, they're 11th in the country. First playoff poll comes out next week. Notre Dame still believes it has a shot. Not if you lose to North Carolina, though. What does North Carolina really have to play for here? Except pride. They're not making the playoff. This isn't even an ACC game if you still believe you have a shot in the Coastal. The Irish, they're a great home team. North Carolina is a bad road team. And also, North Carolina won't be able to match up with Notre Dame up front. That was the story last year. North Carolina, they had all these great skill position guys. Diami Brown, Daz Newsome, Michael Carter, Javante Williams. 
And as good as those guys were, it didn't matter how good they were because they got manhandled up front. Eventually, that just took its toll. North Carolina getting beaten over the head by Notre Dame's offensive line, which is always good. And their D-line isn't half bad either. A lot of guys get drafted from that unit. You might think Kyle Hamilton, top five draft pick, best player on Notre Dame's team. He's not going to play in this game. He's injured. And you're right. That's a big deal. But last year, Kyle Hamilton was a pretty good player too. And he got he, he got thrown out of the game in the second quarter. Didn't play the rest of the game. And that didn't matter in that spot. With all those skill position players. North Carolina's biggest problem this year has been holding up on the offensive line. And you want me to think in this game against Notre Dame on the road, those problems are just going to get fixed? No shot. Notre Dame is not a get-right game for North Carolina. So give me the Irish once again. That sounded pretty negative, Robert. I feel like we need to liven things up a little bit before we welcome Coach Houston in, get the enthusiasm up. So let's, since it's Friday, let's welcome some good cheer heading into the Halloween weekend. 336-777-1600. Opening the phone lines up for you to just tell us something good that's happening with you. Tell us something... It might be sports-related, it might not be. Something good that we can get to now in Weekly Positivity. Oh, yeah. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. Call in and tell us something good. 336-777-1600. On Twitter at WSJS Sports. Hey, Robert. What's up, dude? Quite a bit. Halloween weekend. Tomorrow, in addition to going to Wake Forest Duke, I'm going to go to the, my first college basketball game of the year. First of 45 that I plan to go to. And the first time I've been able to go to Cameron since the last time they welcomed fans, that's when Duke beat North Carolina the first Saturday of March 2020. Here's what's crazy about that, though. It is a Winston-Salem State Duke scrimmage tomorrow. Exhibition, I should say. The cheapest ticket I could find on StubHub, or I guess maybe just a pair of tickets that I saw, were going for $350 a piece. It's going to be a zoo at Cameron this year during Coach K's farewell tour. So many people asking me for tickets, but Robert, $350 for an exhibition? It's a bit steep. I might catch a half before I have to get out of there and head to Winston-Salem. That's for Wake and Duke at 4 o'clock tomorrow. Let's go to Philip in Winston-Salem. Philip, tell me something good. Hey, Josh. Hey, Philip. I am 6-1 in my fantasy football league. I'm wow. winning the league by far, over 100 points and points four. No one on my team is hurt, praise God. I'm heading into a weekend, supposed to win, feeling froggy. I'm coming for the ship this year, man. I think I'm actually going to pull it together. 
I'm going to ask you a question, Philip, because it's weekly positivity. I don't know how long you've listened to this show. I'm not a big fantasy football guy. Robert usually turns away calls when people want to ask for fantasy advice. But since it's weekly positivity, I'm going to, for this one time, allow you, if you want to, you don't have to, ask me a fantasy football question. I'll give you an answer. Fantasy football question. If you need to. It sounds like you got everything taken care of. Well, in my other league, I have only won two games. So I guess the question would be, should I try to trade Travis Kelsey in my fantasy football league to try to get a better running back since I've been pretty depleted? Who are your running backs in the other league, Philip? The other league? Well, I have Nick Chubb, but he's still questionable. Yeah, he is. So my starting, starting running backs are Jarek McKissick. and either Naheem Hines or Devin Singletary. I'd say this. Since that Chiefs defense is so bad and the Chiefs are going to start playing with urgency, I'd keep Kelsey on your roster. It's harder to find good tight end spots than good running backs. So I'd keep Kelsey. That's my advice to you, Philip. That's a good one. I like it. I appreciate it, John. No doubt. You have a great weekend. Yeah. A lot of positivity there. Robert, tell me something good with you. Uh, well, it's always good that it's Friday. I uh, got some big plans this weekend, doing like a chicken stew at my dad's, going to a Halloween party. Uh, Can't ECU won last night? Yep, that's always good. That's always fun. Ravens are on by, getting healthy. Uh, so I can't complain. Been a quick week. Dave and Clemens. Dave, tell me something good. Josh, I got married the first weekend in October, followed by two weeks with the honeymoon in Oregon, followed by a week in the mountains last weekend, and I made a deal with the wife if I was on good behavior all of those weekends, I am going to bet all day long tomorrow, starting with making nine points with the Pitt Panthers and Kenny Pickett. Then two, at 3.30, I'm, two. I'm taking Georgia minus 14 versus Florida. It's an all-day gambling affair. Are you not going to take any of my bets? I was 6-2 and two last week. I just gave out 8 bets. Did you not hear that? Well, I'm going to throw some of your bets in with some of my bets and try okay. to get a big 5 or 16 parlay. Okay, well, that, sound, that sounds good. And if that, wor- if that works out, that's great. And if it doesn't, you're married, you're happy, and your wife's cool with you. That's great. I'm so happy for you. Thanks for the call, Dave. And there he goes. Oh, I have one more good thing. I went to Costco today to get gas. And I went to Starbucks this morning because my morning started earlier than usual. No line in either place. Not for gas and not for coffee. No line. Never seen it before. Last call here. Let's go to Megan in Winston-Salem. Megan, tell me something good. My husband, who is a lifetime Braves fan, we are going to Atlanta tomorrow for the World Series. Wow! Did you did you surprise him with tickets? How how did that happen? We did not do a surprise. We did a spontaneous purchase, and my kids might have to pay for their own college, but we're going. <laughs> uh, so, are you into the Braves too, or are you just trying to be the best wife ever? 
I am a converted Rockies fan. I love that. I love that ballpark. My favorite ballpark outside of the team I root for. to the new one, so we're excited. Love that. Well, you have a great time at the World Series. You going, right? Yep, we're going. Go Braves. Oh, go Braves. Chop on. That's Megan and Winston-Salem. I feel a lot better now. After hearing from many of you in the audience, that has been Weekly Positivity. But hang on, before we get out of here, let's set something straight. I'm never turning away fantasy football calls. It's that you do not want to talk about fantasy football. That's true. So let's go ahead and set the record straight. Yeah, I'm not- you are you are a good producer. You're doing that for me. You would, if you know what, I I'll, I'll frame it differently. Robert, if you want fantasy football advice from Robert, you can call him and he'll give it to you. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred. He'll do that. If you want it from me, probably not going to get it from me unless it's in weekly positivity. So next week, weekly positivity, I'll take another fantasy question if somebody has it in that setting because positive vibes only. Let's not keep Mike Houston waiting much longer. Fresh off the win last night, the Pirates head coach will join us next on The Drive. He tries to be funny. Obnoxious. It really is obnoxious. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. I venture to say that outside of Greenville, America, there's no other sports radio show that is hosted by an East Carolina graduate and the executive producer is an East Carolina graduate which means we're very excited about our next guest. Fresh off the 29-14 win last night in the rain against USF, it's the head coach of the Pirates, Mike Houston, kind enough to join us. And coach, as somebody who covered the entire Lincoln-Riley, Ruffin-McNeil tenure in Greenville, what was cool to me last night, you won with running the football in defense, which is not the way ECU won football games under Ruff or even Scotty Montgomery in that matter. When you took the job here a few years ago, is this the identity you had in mind your team taking shape of? Absolutely. There's no doubt. So it's, uh, I mean, I, first off, if, you go, if you're going to be a pirate now, I need a little more enthusiasm, okay? Um, <laughs> a little more excitement after that game last night. But, uh, you know, it, it's we're becoming exactly what I envisioned, and, um, you know, certainly we want to throw the ball, and we threw the ball well last night, uh, even in the rain. But, uh, but you know, I think championships are won uh, with defense and controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, and, you know, I've got two pretty good running backs and a uh, pretty good offensive line, and, and we're becoming more and more of that balanced team that can really run the football when it wants to uh, and that defense that can force turnovers and, and get big stops. So, uh, I'm proud of the way we played, especially in the second half last night. But even more, I'm 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 proud of the identity that our our program is taking on. Robert is offended that you're questioning the uh, enthusiasm of the ECU graduates right now. Rob, you can't see because we're on the phone. We're both shirtless. We're we're excited. Fantastic. Cut the sprinklers on. You should, just you like should have seen the, the student body in the boneyard last night. And when we got here, there must have been five thousand students tailgating. And then they brought that into the stadium, and that's as rowdy of a student section as I've seen in a long, long time. 
Robert, you said you were shirtless with the uh, with the sprinklers on. Yeah, I cut the sprinklers on. I wanted to be there so bad last night, so I just had to be there in spirit. But I wanted to do the whole get up. You know, I wanted to be wet like the crowd was wet. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, Mike Houston with us here. I think your football team's better than four and four, given how things went in Orlando, Houston, and that South Carolina game as well. But you can always default to you are what your record is. How yeah. do you motivate your guys to carry themselves like a winning team, even when the results might not go their way? Well, that's that's what we talked about this past weekend because, you know, you're right. I mean, we you are what your record says you are. But, you know, I feel like we're, you know, three plays away from being 7-1. and one. Uh, And I think that, the, you know, the kids have played like that. And so I told them, I said, listen, it is what it is. But at the same time, you're the same – if you, if you have those three plays, you know, if you make a play in each game where you win that ball game, which it was so, so close, um, then it doesn't change who you are. You're the same players. And so, you know, we need to, we need to carry ourselves like we're that 7-1 and one team. And I think that, you know, that confidence, that edge, um, that winning mentality, and, and I really felt like that that's, that's what they displayed in the second half last night. And it's, you know, yeah, we're, we're still young. I mean, we have 77 first- and second-year players in this roster. So you're still a very young football team, but you know you're gaining experience at a rapid pace because those are the guys that are on the field playing. Now we have a veteran quarterback who is uh, proving himself to be a, a a winning leader and not just a leader. Um, but uh, you know, just that's part of the just maturation of this roster is you know learning how to carry themselves like like winners. Mike Houston, ECU football coach, with us here. Uh, this stat still just blows me away. I've mentioned it a few times on air the, the last few weeks, is that the last time East Carolina played in a bowl game, Lincoln Riley was calling the plays. We had Dave Clawson on the show earlier. He's somebody that has told me many times in the past, anybody who's devaluing bowl games, saying they don't matter because of the opt-outs and all of this, they're not a football coach, and they're not players, because those sites matter so much, and those trips those are the things you think about years from now. But given the significance of this bulge route that ECU's had, what would it mean to you sitting at 4-4 four and four to get to six wins and get to a bowl game this season? I think it, may, it means everything to the program. I mean, it's, it's something that the, uh, you know, it's the reason we have eight of the super seniors, uh, the guys that could have, could have graduated, moved on with life, but came back. Um, and that's the reason they came back. They came back for the opportunity because, you know, none of the players in our program have ever been to the postseason. And it's, um, you know, it's something they all want. Now, you can't get caught up in that during the season. I mean, our, we got to focus on 1-0. and uh, You know, that's our focus next week against Temple. You know, we just got to worry about Temple. But big picture-wise, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the step. That's the next step because, you know, I, I came here with that vision – um, and it was, you know, it was, it was a daunting task, especially in the beginning. But, you know, you're seeing the, you're seeing the results of all the hard, hard work that the kids uh, and the coaches have invested. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that's very realistic. You know, I wish we had a couple of those wins and those close losses. But, you know, every, every single game, every single experience, you know, it prepares you for what's next. And, uh, and, and you know, who knows how things go if you would have got one of those. I think every – I think, you know, something that happened in the last three weeks prepared us for last night and, and and gave us the experience we needed to play the way we did coming out of the locker room in the third quarter. So, um, 
it's a, it's a big goal for our program, and it's it's kind of the next step. What's your game plan for Halloween Sunday, Coach? Well, I'll be I'll be in the office working. So, um, unfortunately, that's the that's the life of a of a coach. But I have a feeling you'll have a couple of trick or treaters swing by. So I've uh, I, I know I know one of the kids is uh, going to be Darth Vader. I don't know about the other one. <laughs> uh, yeah, Darth Vader is always a really good look. Um, we got to get to the most important thing though here. Uh, Matt Rule earlier today told us he thought it was controversial. His favorite Halloween candy was Butterfinger. Dave Clawson went with Mallow Cups. Deep cut for Dave Clawson. What is the top shelf candy for Mike Houston? Reese's Peanut Butter Cups all day long. Nothing, nothing, nothing can touch it. Nothing close. That's it. It's like... See, you're you're not messing with anything, right? Deep cut, no. none of it. No, sometimes the easy answer is the easy answer. It's like people who say, right. you know what, March Madness isn't that great. Stop. Like we know, like the Reese's peanut butter cup, that's where it's at. And I'm right there with you. That's top shelf, coach. Top shelf. Any anybody that knows me and really knows me, they'd tell you the same thing. You know, that there's, there's no no debate on that. I get my milkshakes with peanut butter cups in them. Cookout? You're getting cookout trays with the Absolutely. Reese's peanut butter cup? Peanut- Peanut butter milkshake with Reese's peanut butter cups blended in. Best cookout milkshake made. Whoa! Robert, he's throwing takes out here now. Gosh, that's what we love so much. He's a pirate. And we're pirates, so we're about that. I got to ask, since we're going that path, cookout tray. Okay, if we're finishing the order, what else is on the menu? I I do nothing else at cookout besides your shakes. (laughs) I should have known. Coach, enjoy your football list weekend in terms of your guys being actually on the gridiron. And uh, enjoy your Halloween as well. We'll talk to you sometime soon. Congrats on the win, too. We're going to. Thanks for having me on. Go Pirates!